Hello, and welcome to episode 130 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. As you know, the holidays are coming up, and so for the first time ever, I am offering a special membership holiday deal to The Modern Manager. If you join before December 31st, 2020, you get to gift one month of membership at the same level for free to the person of your choice. So that means that you can join as a member yourself and then give one month free membership to your boss, a team member, a friend, a family member, whoever you think will benefit from and enjoy the bonus content. So the way that this works is that if you sign up at the $15 level, you get to give one month of membership at the $15 level. And if you sign up at the $50 level, which includes group coaching, you get to give one month at the $50 level. I have never done this before, and there is no guarantee that I will ever do it again. So if you have been thinking about joining, this is the perfect time. Or if you know someone who you really think should be a member and they need to work on their management skills, this is a great time to give them the gift of membership. To learn more and to get this holiday deal, go to themodernmanager.com join. Now today's guest is Dave Schramm, known as Dr. Dave on campus and across the country. Dave is a professor and family life extension specialist at Utah State University in the Department of Human Development and Family Studies. He studies strong couple and family relationships and translate his family findings into leadership lessons and improving work culture. Dave and I talk about the three needs of all humans, how those needs show up at work, the connection between family and a positive workplace experience, how managers can apply lessons of healthy family dynamics to their teams, positivity, natural consequences, and a whole lot more. Now, here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Dave, it is such a pleasure to have you today. I want to start by noting that you are not a business professional, but a a family life professional, which I'm excited about because I don't know if you know this, but early on in this podcast history, I did a bonus series called Parenting Your Business, where I talked about lessons I've learned in parenting and applying them to business. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to be talking about this topic and to share some things I think from the research that can really benefit those in the business and particularly managers. So let's jump in here. You know, obviously I just said, I see lots of connections between how I act as a parent and how I act in my family relationships and how I can show up as a manager. But what are some of the connections that you see and what, are, what is the research showing you and how what we do well as parents or kind of what we can learn from our relationships outside of work that can get pulled into work. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So, so starting out, we have to back up a little bit and look as human beings, we have at least three fundamental human needs that everyone we're all born with. And these needs are the needs for safety, the need for satisfaction and the need for connection. And so as, as I studied family relationships and I started thinking, wow, this is really interesting. And, and actually, maybe so I was driving down the freeway and I saw these these billboards from businesses and they had uh, family in the in the message. Right. It would say, uh, welcome to the family or welcome home. 
And I thought, huh, that's interesting. Why are these, these businesses using family in their, in their marketing messages? So that's really kind of how all, you know, as a family scholar, I got into this and that's where it, things kind of got to get exciting. And I started doing some of the, the research to see how family principles translate over into business practices. So say more about these three particular needs, the safety, satisfaction, and connection. What do each of those mean and, and how do they show up in our lives? Yeah. Okay. So the, so the first need is safety. And now that's, it's not only physical safety, it's emotional safety. And it's, as far as a business and as a person, it's, do I have enough money for a, a paycheck that pays the bills, that puts food on the table? But then it's, it's more than that. It's emotional safety. Do I feel like I can emotionally risk with another person, whether that is, is a partner or a spouse or with a manager at work? Do I feel like that they will come back harsh or is it emotionally safe environment? The second need, uh, satisfaction. And all of us are born with this desire to acquire. It's this, this yearning for learning. And we like to move toward rewards. And so it, what does that look like at home? It's, hey, I want a bowl of ice cream. I want to be able to watch my favorite show. I want to do things that bring me happiness. Now at work, we want to do things that kind of stretch us, that use our, our time and our talents in ways where we can move forward. We want professional development. I, I want to learn new things. And so I'm satisfied with, with the job and with the people. And that leads to the third one, that connection. We're all born with this longing for belonging, this, this real craving for connection. What children are with parents, we call that attachment. And the same thing happens at in workplaces. And in the best workplaces that I studied, it is they, they feel like they belong. They feel like they're literally part of this, this uh, attachment, this family at work. It's interesting you said this attachment because I was just talking with another behavioral psychologist about attachment theory in work and how important it is for people to have a kind of safe adult or a safe person who might be their manager, but might be somebody else in the organization for whom they can go and talk to when they're frustrated or who will kind of have their back when they're having a hard time. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. And you actually mentioned kind of this emotionally safe that they can open up to someone, they can, they can share without this, this fear, right? The opposite of safety is this fear of retribution or so we need, everyone needs someone, someone to, to talk with. And this is where I, I studied, actually um, studied the top places to work in the entire United States. So in, in, in 2019, Inc.com, they do this every year for the last few years, and they sent out these surveys and over 139,000 employees in 2019 rated their workplaces and 346 came out on top. And I thought, why? why? What makes these come out on top? And that's when I started to analyze their responses. So each of these workplaces, they have 100 words to describe why we think we're a great place to work. And I had access to all those. So I took each 100 word summary and I started to do a word analysis, started to look for themes about what do they say? What do they provide? And this is, this is where it gets really exciting for me is that I saw the same three needs being met, right? Safety, they use words like benefits and care. They use the word environment and help and support for satisfaction. The top workplaces, they, they use words like fun and growth and happy and development and perks. That was a big one. But what really stood out to me maybe was that they used the word connection. Well, they didn't use the word connection, but they met that need for connection. It was the words team and culture 
dominated the descriptions and they used people and values. And the ninth most frequently used word in those descriptions was the word family. And that's really when it hit me that this, the secret sauce to being a top workplace in the United States is meeting the three needs in treating employees just like family. So I get these conceptually and they make perfect sense. But if I'm now thinking about how do I do these things? Like what are some of the things that you've seen managers do that really help develop that sense of safety or cultivate a safe environment, a psychologically safe environment? And we'll kind of work through each of these. Yeah, absolutely. So for safety, they are very open. First off, all this is on the the foundation of trust. Trust has to be there. And and how do you earn that? You do that actually for building relationships. So part of it is is the connection. But there's the feeling that, yes, I've tested, I can open up. And actually managers have even either a, some type of a forum, whether it's a suggestion box or whether it's a, you know, feedback Fridays and they can actually say, Hey, you know, any kind of questions or any kind of feedback ways that we can improve. And yeah, you know, I think we should have these, these benefits perks. So the, the top managers are actually asking the employees what they would want and they, they don't give them everything, but the employees feel like they can take a risk and that they trust that they won't get burned. And they can say, hey, yeah, I would like to, to have this kind of a benefit. I would like maybe, you know, gym memberships, or is there a way that you can support me, me and my family uh, with you know, paid vacations or whatever it is, the issue is. There's this feeling of, yes, the, the paycheck is enough, but there's more of that. There's this emotional safety where I can reach out. And again, it's built on relationships of, of trust. I was just talking about this with somebody else as well. When you were talking about these ask me anything sessions and how managers can create that space where their team members feel safe to ask anything and how for some people, like that's a really scary thing. And you might say, all right, guys, ask me anything. And nobody wants to ask you anything because everyone's too afraid of how you're going to respond. But I love this idea of creating opportunity for people to say, this is what's important to me and this is what I need to be able to do my best work or to be fulfilled in this role. So are there other things around satisfaction or connection that you think managers should do? Oh, absolutely. And so some of the biggest ones, honestly, are, are gratitude and kindness. And those are some of the strongest predictors of happy families as well. So so cultures, taking a step back, they're created by experiences. We hear this cultures, cultures. It's created by experiences. It's small and simple experiences. And, and managers can grow from experience to experience. So rarely is it like one experience, but it's these experiences over time. Uh, so really compassion, right? And curiosity, that's what creates employee loyalty and trust. So Jonathan Haidt, he shows in some of his research that the more employees look up to their leaders and they're, they're, they're moved by their compassion or their kindness, the more loyal they become. Uh, Adam Grant has shown that if you embarrass or blame an employee too harshly, it just comes back to bite us, right? When we need them the most and we rely on them. And so a lot, what we're really talking about, when I explain it, I explain it in this little pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid is connection. Up above that, we have to have connection. Up above that is direction. And up at the top of that is correction. And so the best managers, they have this and they have it in order. They focus on connection. Then people are open to their direction and correction when correction is needed. But fundamentally, it is is based on gratitude. 
it is, hey, thanks so much. It's very specific, right? It could be a sticky note. It could be a text. In fact, I love this statistic. 81% of employees surveyed in one study said that they would work harder for a grateful boss. And 35% report never being thanked by a manager. And so really, you know, when employees are out there and they're looking for work, the key question to ask is, does it feel like, like family? Is there compassion? Is there kindness? Is there recognition? Recognition is, is a huge one for managers to recognize. In, in one study, when people felt recognized for the work they did, they were 23% more effective and productive. But what's amazing in this study is when people felt valued and cared for, their productivity and effectiveness experienced a 43% increase. And so, yes, recognizing people, appreciating people, but then making them feel valued and cared for. And how do you do that? You connect with them. You connect personally. You find out about their, their personal lives. You have celebrations. You have fun time together. You're supportive and aware of, of what's going on, again, in their personal lives as well as their professional lives. You're willing to sacrifice all of these are, are hallmarks, again, of strong uh, families. Well, this sounds a lot like shifting from a transactional mindset or a kind of transactional experience at work where I pay you to do work, right? Or my company, the company pays you and in exchange you do this work and I'm really here to kind of make sure it all gets done properly to, as you're saying, like a family orientation where we're all kind of in this together and we kind of, we're on the same team and it's not always, you know, perfect. And it's not always, I got this and you do that. And then, you know, it's, there's, there's something else that happens in a family dynamic. That's just not transactional, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, that's where this relationship, this connection comes into play and some of the best managers. So I actually visited some of these top workplaces because I wanted to see for myself, anyone can use 100 words to say, this is, this is what our workplace is like. So as I actually visited these, I saw this in action and it honestly blew me away in some of these that they had play and celebrations and fun time together. As I was taking a tour, one HR manager going through the place and it was just amazing. People were happy. And I remember this one employee tosses me a Nerf football and tells me to drill this HR manager right in the back. And I'm like, what? And, and so I did it. And before I know it, Nerf footballs are flying across. And it wasn't just that they, that they you know, had fun and played all the time, but they, they again, they had that, there's that trust, there's the relationship. This HR manager, he was giving high fives and, and fist bumps and he knew everyone by name. Everyone by name, he's calling them by name. They had on Mondays, the okay, so in strong families, they hold family councils and they have family discussions and they do family things. They open up and, and talk about, okay, what do we have this coming week? The same thing is happening with these managers. They have open discussions, and but they can laugh, they can share things, they get work done, they have each other's backs. And another hallmark of strong families is feeling loved and accepted and people are quick to forgive. Now, I, I get it when it translates into management, right? And someone makes a serious mistake and things are not going well, people need to be held accountable, just like they are at home. If they don't get the chores done, they need to be held accountable. But they're quick to forgive when honest mistakes are done. They're, they're not the grudges that, hey, say, hey, hey, you got this. No problem. That didn't work. But hey, look what we learned from this. And so it's, it's really this fundamental is this, this mind shift of uh, I'm not better than you, but we're on the same team. And those are really what I, what I saw when I visited some of these top workplaces. 
So I'm wondering about the downside or, you know, if this goes wrong, because I can imagine that there are times where people are thinking, all right, so if, if I'm in this relationship, I'm the parent of the team and my colleagues are the kids and it's my job to discipline them, to teach them, to guide them, whatever. Does it ever get taken in the wrong way or kind of how do we stop the metaphor from going yeah. too far? Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and it surely can, right? Because you, sometimes you have to fire people and it's not like you can fire your child, those kinds of things. And so I, I like, I'm going to move to another metaphor and that is a referee, a coach and, and the fans in the stands. So I'm a big sports fan. But when you look at a referee and referees, his, the whole purpose of referee is to make sure, you know, safety is involved and that people follow the rules. But when a referee sees something that, you know, a violation of a rule, just like a manager, the referee does not, or most referees should not jump in there and yell and berate a player or a team member on the team. So how does a referee do it? He simply blows the whistle, right? Make sure, and, and, but the whole purpose of referee is to get the game going back as quickly and, and as safely as possible, but without berating people. So sometimes yeah, managers will need to be the referee and they need to, you know, maybe there's some discipline, there's some consequences, hopefully natural consequences, but how they're delivered, the process, the tone of voice, tone of voice, that influences the entire um, message. And sometimes the, the managers will play the role of the coach. And that is a lot of the, the teaching. It's a lot of the teaching. It's the training. Again, assuming the relationship is there, right? Connection. Then there's direction up top. So they're giving direction very supportive fundamentals. And then sometimes they pl play the role of the fan in the stands and the roles of fans are to cheer them on when things are going well to support them. So what often we have uh, against us is this uh, in our, in our brains, right? With all these neurons we have, we're actually wired for threat. And it's part of the safety, right? We're, we're wired for the negative to look at the mistakes, which is important even in management to notice the mistakes but we need, we're five times as likely to notice the mistakes rather than for, uh, to, to point out the positive. So it's a five to one ratio and top managers and leaders are finding the positive and they're building on the positive. So they manage the weaknesses, manage the mistakes, but they are able to really highlight the good things and point out the positive. And that is one of the secrets really of, of strong managers is they notice the strengths, they notice the good, they celebrate the good, and they, they can find and, and, and really point out uh, the good things that are happening. I love this emphasis on strengths and positivity, and I've definitely felt it and seen it in my work and with, with my teams, where if we're, if we're thinking in that positive mindset, if we're celebrating what's working, if we're honoring each other and our strengths, then it's just a better atmosphere, right? Like we do better work because we're happier. We're like more engaged. We're excited. And the kind of constant harping and feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough. I can never do this. I'll never get it right. Like that's just such a downer mode. And it just, it's almost like it creates a negative downward spiral versus a positive upward spiral. Absolutely. And I love that analogy of the, the upward spiral, which is actually one of my favorite books, the, the Upward Spiral by Alex Korb. It's amazing of what, yeah, this positivity, we come to work, all of us kind of in this positive mindset. And then one of the, uh, here's another little nugget that managers can do at the beginning of any of the meetings that they have, any kind of meetings with, with employees, start with the good news minute. 
It's, it's simple. The good news minute is just about one or two minutes of positive good news. What's going well. And it doesn't even have to do with work. It could be at home, right? The positive, the happy things that are going up. You're looking forward to a vacation or your sister just had a baby or it's a, someone's birthday that week or an anniversary, whatever it is you celebrate and you start always start with the good and the positive because what it does, it, it tilts the mindset. Really, when our brains are positive, it's, it's Barbara Fredrickson and her whole, um, that positivity, it, it expands us. It opens us up. We can see more possibilities. But when we get stressed out and frustrated, then we narrow. Negativity narrows and positivity literally expands. And we have more energy. We're more motivated. We get more done when there's this positive, upbeat environment. So I'm a big fan of the Good News Minute. I love that suggestion. I'm totally stealing that. So I want to go back to something else that you mentioned almost in passing, which is this idea of natural consequences. And that when when we're being the referee and we're blowing the whistle saying, hey, this isn't working, that we want to focus on natural consequences. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because it's something I hear a lot of managers struggle with, which is they're like, how do I hold people accountable in a way that's not threatening? Like, if you don't do this, then I'm going to have to fire you. Like nobody wants to say that. Nobody really believes that. But yet there are lots of times where we have to offer corrections or acknowledge that something's not working. And we want to kind of demonstrate why it's a problem. So can you talk a little about natural consequences? Yeah. Yes. And so with parents, right, the natural consequence, if you don't eat your, you know, your dinner, you don't get dessert. If you don't put your, your clothes away, you know, you, you can't play. And so when it comes to the work environment, my suggestion there is to actually have that discussion before it becomes the problem with and have them come up with it and be like, okay, guys, you know, we got to get this done. But if this doesn't turn out right, or if we're kind of getting off track and I notice that, hey, you're not on task or you don't show up for something, what do you guys think should, you know, should happen? And actually let some of the employees come up with some of the, the consequences of, right? It's almost kind of the rules of the game. And so no one's really caught off guard and they're not like, hey, you know, I, did, I didn't know this ahead of time. Or again, it's the best part is to catch them being good and then managing those consequences. Now, what does that look like? It's going to vary from situation to situation, depending on the project. But here, here's an important nugget again, and that is to right praise in in public, but kind of get after and and correct in private, because no one wants to be you know embarrassed or mocked. That's part of that safety, right? That emotional safety. I don't feel emotional safe now. I'm embarrassed. They humiliated me. Maybe it was an honest mistake. But I think before managers can jump to any of those logical you know, logical natural um, consequences, they have to get information information about the, you know, get the, the complete story before just reacting. It's more of responding. And when we respond and instead of react, responding means, okay, let me, let me make sure I have um, all of the details here. Because as parents, sometimes we do that. We just, and the child's like, well, no, wait, wait, wait. You know, this is, this is really what happened. And so calmly, again, in the tone of, okay, you know, share kind of what happened, what went wrong. And I love that as far as a coach and some of the best coaches I know, they don't berate their players for dropping, you know, the football, the fumbling. They ask them, you know, what do you think went wrong? What can, what can we do better next time as a team or an individual? And yes, sometimes there are consequences, right? For I, I need you to stay after now and work on this and get this, get this right. But those consequences will really be specific to the, the situation. But again, I, I suggest getting them together and 
talking about what those consequences should be ahead of time and letting them come up with some of them themselves. I love that. Like, let's empower people to be part of the solution instead of always being top down, you know, in, in charge of things, which I, I will attest also works really well with kids, as you're saying. <laughs> it does. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, we actually, this is a, you know, a little, a little side parenting. I don't usually talk about being a parent so much on the show, but um, we had an issue with our kids coming into our room. So we sat down with them and we had a conversation about what we could do to stop them from coming into the middle of the night. And we brainstormed all kinds of ideas. We said, all ideas are good ideas. It's just, we're just going to make a list. And it was everything from, we're going to get a guard dog to sit outside of our door. We're going to lock them into their bedroom. We're going to put a, a note on our door that says, stop, do not enter. I mean, we came up with all kinds of stuff as a family. And then we let the kids pick what they thought to be the right approach. And I got to tell you, it worked better than everything else we had tried as parents to keep our kids from interrupting our sleep. And it's really powerful when you bring your team in, right, whether they're your kids or your colleagues, and you say, like, how are we going to make this work, right? What are the, what are the strategies we're going to use? What are the natural consequences or, or other consequences that we're going to hold ourselves accountable to? I love what you just said because it is, and it doesn't work just in parenting, right? Because it does, it translates over. And here, here's the principle. People support what they help create, period right? If they can be part of the process, part of the solution, part of, yes, going at it. And your children, they're very empowered and making suggestions and all suggestions are okay. Now let's come up with it. So it is, it's people support what they help create. All right. I think this is the perfect place for us to, to end. So tell us now about a great manager that you had and what made this person so fantastic. Yeah. So I had a, this is when I was working at the University of Missouri. And, and so I wasn't necessarily a manager. It was the dean of the college. But this dean, it was amazing because he was very personal. He knew about me and my life. But how did he do that? It's because he took me out to lunch. He would do that with all of the faculty, just a few at a time, you know, maybe four or five in the entire college. So we could kind of get to know each other a little bit. But then he was very open at lunch and he said, hey, you know, what can I do better as a dean? Honestly, you know, what things are going well? Where can I improve? He, he, he was open to our input. And because we had that relationship, then we felt like, yes, I can be honest in this relationship rather than, oh, I don't dare to say anything. It's because of his attitude. It was his sense of humor. He was quick to forgive. And so really that relationship was built on trust and, and it went both ways. So that in my mind, as far as a manager, you know, that, that Dean will um, stick out my mind and I'll, I'll always remember that. Oh, it's beautiful. And it's so important right now, especially when we're all working remotely to even schedule those virtual lunches or find ways to build connection and distance. It's, it's so powerful, as you, you've been saying. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You can't underestimate that those relationships and meeting those needs of safety, satisfaction, connection. And he did it in, a, in an amazing way. Beautiful. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They can find me on social media on Facebook. It's, it's Dr. Dave USU. It's Dr. Dave USU. I share all kinds of every day. I share a little tip or a little video on happiness or parenting marriage tips and also Dr. Dave speaks.com. And so lately I've been pretty busy with a lot of zooms and, and doing uh, presentations with companies and with um, agencies on happiness and positivity and resilience and stress and all types of things that are, are especially relevant in our time. Well, thank you again for being such a fantastic guest and for sharing this connection between family and the workplace. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I find it so helpful to apply lessons or insights from management into parenting and vice versa. 
So if you want to hear more of some of my musings on this topic, you can listen to the bonus Parenting Your Business episodes, which are all linked in the show notes. As for the guest bonus, Dave has compiled a list of 50 ideas for incredible workplaces, which he created based on data that he gathered from the top 364 best places to work. To get this list, you must be a member of the Modern Manager community. To join, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And remember, if you join before December 31st, 2020, you get the holiday deal to give the gift of membership to someone else. Plus, don't forget, if you work for a nonprofit or government agency, you get 20% off any membership level. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which is at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.